Hi, hi. This is Roy Schilt from the King of Kong, a fistful of quarters. I'm standing guard, protecting the integrity of, of video game players everywhere. I hate to see anyone get chumpetized. I, ho- I hope you enjoy the Scene World podcast. Welcome to the podcast in the new year. Hey. Woohoo. Before we talk to Robert Neal from Retro RGB, that's an interview I did alone because neither AJ nor Dennis had time, unfortunately. So that will be happening in a few minutes. But mm-hmm. before, we got plenty of news. I got like 10 news items. Amazing. Oh, dang, I've got two. Um, okay. Well, so... Um, Let's start with the most surprising one. Uh, games that weren't uh, tooted on their uh, Macedon. That um, a build of the Duke Nukem 3D Reloaded was leaked, including oh. editor source code development assets. And the story goes that Frederick Schreiber, who we all know, and love um, has gotten the permission from Gearbox in 2010 to make uh, Duke Nukem 3D Reloaded. But after the game was done in 2011, they changed their mind and they weren't allowed to le- uh, to release it. So somebody leaked it, and now it's out out in the wild. Okay. So I will link to that. Also, um, another news is um, that the M68K info project with information for developers of the Motorola um, 68000 CPU is actually looking for a new maintainer. Because the current maintainer and founder of the project, um, Carsten Strothmann, who is also the, the latest and newest president of the biggest Atari association slash club here in Germany, mm-hmm. the Abbook, actually has no time anymore to maintain that. And they are also making presentations and discuss discussions about the topic. So it would be good to find a follow-up, a successor to maintain the project after him leaving. So that's the thing there. We will will link to all that. Um, Yeah. Also, a few news on our side. So as the instance were were, um, HA, I, and SceneWorld were running, TechHub.social for Macedon actually made their new um, regulations for advertisements in Toots. Um, I have decided to, well, to create my own Macedon instance. So okay, okay. now the Scene World project 
got their own instance on social.sceneworld.org. It was pretty easy to set up. I spent most of the day yesterday for it. So that means now we are in full control of what is allowed to be posted there. Hmm. And it's not open for for open registration because that would be way too expensive. Um, so it's only for, for us. But at least it's independent and we have a control <coughs> sorry. And we have a control over it. So I think that's quite good. We also got a lot of followers already um, from Twitter. That's not bad. And they are getting more each day. <coughs> yes. Um, one thing that's I think is a disadvantage of Mastodon is that while you can export your <coughs> previous toots, you can't import them on the new instance because the functionality functionality for that is not there yet. That means right, right. if you want to see the old toots, which which actually what Twitter calls tweets, by the way, you have to go to the old profile to see them. Anyway, yeah. I downloaded a backup of all the previous. So in case techhub.social goes down any point in the future, at least we have a backup of the data. Um, which is interesting because it, it appears to me that the success of Mastodon is a bit more than most admins expected to happen after the well, the crap that's going on with Twitter since Elon Musk took over. I mean, yeah, if you yeah. look, many, many instances actually shut down due to too much users, too much workload, too much work to do last mm. year. <laughs> A lot of instances just ceased to exist. Right. And also, it appears like that, like in our example, many admins seem to tighten the rules what's allowed to be posted as tools on their Mastodon to make less people using their instance. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, um, I don't know, trying to control how much users are on your server. <laughs> it's just like, which is like something I decided I don't want to be in the same situation like others constantly instance hopping. That is why right, I decided right. I spent the um, seven euros per month on master.horst um, to get our own instance. It's actually worth it, I think, for the freedom. And we know that there's not some admin deciding one day that what we post is not good enough for the server rules and then shut it down, that would be awful because we care about what we produce. And that is why we also work together with archive.org and stuff to make sure whenever we are not around anymore, our stuff still is. So I think we should take the same approach for our Mastodon. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, that's just my thing. Anyway, there is an issue open in three years on GitHub about supporting post migration. I will link to that. So 
if you want to participate in the discussion, you can. Okay. Because GitHub is open for everybody. Yeah. Cool. And on the news regarding Mastodon, I can also say that our past guest, Scotty Allen slash the iPhone guy slash Strangeports, actually got a Mastodon himself. Yes, he did. Which is on Mastodon dot strangeparts.org um, and um, well we'll we link to that as well also he released a video recently that he's now continuing producing YouTube videos and he's actually hiring oh he's looking for um, video editors so we will link to that subscription form as well for okay. the job okay. application so you can actually apply for a job to work with Scotty directly and travel around the world, follow him making video production. If that is your thing and you want to be paid for it and travel the world now that next or well this year the pandemic is changing to an endemic, then this might be your job. Hmm. Um, and also he opened a Patreon. But if Patreon is not your thing, he also made a deal with Nebula slash Curiosity Stream, where you can, for a subscription fee of um, $15 a year, you can get exclusive content like a one hour tour of the Strange Parts new shop. Okay. If that okay. is your thing, rather. Hmm. So, anyway, so. You could say Scotty is upping his social media slash income stream game. Yeah. yeah. So you have more ways of following him, supporting him financially, if that is your thing. And as we all know, I mean, he has got a precaution, a brain disc, um, damage and stuff. And we all know how awful YouTube is if you have been sick for a year and the yeah. algorithm actually balancely just ignores you as a creator if you didn't upload a video for a year. So it will be not easy for him to get back up in the game because, I mean, that's basically all he did since 2007, YouTube, full time. Mm -hmm. But um, when the pipe crashed his head, it really put him out of the game for a year, which is sad, but it's also good to see that he's back. Yeah. Yeah. So that that would be it. Okay. Um, yeah, at least from strange parts. Yeah. There, there's actually some news regarding the podcast. You know, um, we like to, to um, well, to make our podcast available to all kind of platforms we, that are out there. But there are two changes. And they are, there's one change, and that would be that um, here this ad no longer allows unlimited uploads for MP3 files. That means the newest episodes are no longer on here this ad because okay. we are not going to pay for for the hosting of, of the podcast files. Right, That's right. not going to happen. And a similar thing happened, unfortunately, to Mixcloud. Mixcloud, um, which is the direct competitor to SoundCloud. Unfortunately, Mixcloud 
also no longer allows unlimited uploads, but there it's it's uploading automatically using the RSS feed. That means the past shows you cannot listen on their platform anymore. Otherwise, you have, would have to go premium for that, which we are not going either. So that means, unfortunately, two less options for you to listen our episodes, either the recent or the past ones, but there are plenty of other options. I mean, we are everywhere. Yandex, you know, we are at um, Spotify, YouTube, um, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple mm -hmm. Podcasts, Amazon Music. So there's still plenty of iVox in Spain. We are yeah. even in India. So <laughs> there's really still a lot of plenty of places. We are even hosted at Samsung Galaxy Podcast. So if you have hey. a Galaxy smartphone, even there you can use the Samsung Podcast app and listen to us there. So <laughs> please forgive us that we are not paying for premium subscriptions to, yeah. to some third party. Um, well, because then we'd have to pass that, that along to the listeners and we don't want to exactly, do that. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yes, and as, as as the statistics show, most people actually subscribe to the RSS feed anyway, or use the play function on our homepage. Mm -hmm. You know, and also we made a record there. Um, we had like the best traffic with our last episode, Maytree. Hey, the first time we went to South Korea, and we got a lot of feedback about this episode already, and. I'm so happy that it was so well received. I mean, this planning was taking half a year with Dennis sorting out everything and make sure everything works. Mm -hmm. So very happy for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I guess that would be would be all from my side, actually. Okay, I've got two bits. Uh, one is. Um, there's a Kickstarter going on right now for the Checkmate Modular IPS Monitor. It's um, a retro display, so it looks like um, it looks like early PC, Amiga, Mac, kind of a, that kind of a monitor, but it is an IPS display. Um, um, it, it's 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 it, it's got three-inch speakers in it. Um, it supports 15 kilohertz mo uh, uh, modes which composite. is important for the amiga right mm -hmm. yes composite and rgb scart um it also switches between pal and ntse wow nice automatically apparently um it uh supports both 4.3 and 5.4 display uh options we have to point out here that NTSC compatibility is not a big thing in in Europe, never was. Mm -hmm. It was always taken for granted. But what I learned, thanks to the 8-bit guy using a C64 Mini Paul version back then, that it's the other way around in America. Most TVs in America can't handle the Paul they European can. signals. They cannot. Which is weird because it's basically the same device. Yeah. Uh -huh. Why wouldn't they use the same? Why would why would why would you get less for your money in America with a TV compared to Europe? I have no idea. No I mean, idea. 
Yeah, in Germany, it's not. It's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the and the displays have very low la- latency for awesome. uh, for gaming. And what's the so, price point? Um, I do not know. Uh, again, it's a Kickstarter thing right now. But but they have to pledges. So um, I'm looking at it right now. Um, uh, Oh, it didn't, that didn't take me to the actual Kickstarter. Uh, right here. Check my Kickstarter page. All right, here we go. Um, there are... Um, it starts at 100 pounds. And then there's 249 pounds and and 269. For, uh, for a display. Yeah, so the 100... The, the 100... Pound plunge gets you a a uh, placeholder deposit. The two forty nine gets you a white standard nineteen inch monitor chassis. Oh, and the whole the whole complete thing. Uh, the whole complete thing. Um, I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm seeing just chassis. Um, Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the chassis. I don't, I don't see. Uh, um, there aren't any instant uh, anything. There's nothing in the fat in the FAQ. Um, we'll we'll link to the Q and A or to to the uh, the Kickstarter so that people can can check it out. And there's also a video from. Uh, there's also a video from. So it's uh, only just deposits. Nerd. It's yeah. only deposits. It's yeah. not the full deal yet. Well, the okay. So the standard chassis is two forty nine pounds, and the IPS display is one hundred and twenty pounds, giving you a total of three hundred and sixty nine. Ah, so you have to pledge it separately then. Yeah, yeah. Ah, okay. And then if you want the uh, the GPS control pod, which is what gives you the fifteen hertz uh, kilohertz mode composite RGB SCART. Um, that's an extra eighty pounds or fifty nine pounds rather. Mm. Oh, okay. So, and and finally, my last bit of news. We'll we'll link to the Kickstarter and all that stuff so you can guys can check it out. And there's also a video by um, by uh, the Nostalgia Nerd about it. So. Oh, nice. So yeah, you can check that out. And the last uh, my last bit of news is that the December twenty two issue of PC Magazine. Is the last issue of PC Magazine? Ooh, why is that? I don't know, but they uh, the magazine started in 1982, and has been um, PC Mag has has been really like like the the piece the, the magazine for you know computers and stuff. Yeah. Um, they years. will be com- they will be continuing to work at pcmag.com but the actual physical magazine will cease to exist. Ooh, that's that's sucks. Well, I actually that's 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 actually a lie too because because January 28th it went it went uh Wait, what am I looking at? They went fully digital in November of 2008. So, so they're not going to publish the magazine digitally anymore, but PCMag.com 
will continue to exist. So they continue continue as a portal rather yeah, than yeah, a essentially yes. Ah, okay. Hmm. Don't so. forget to send me the links. That's yeah. No, both sounds, them. especially monitor, sounds very interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's a uh, that's a that's a shame that we're you'll be you know that another magazine is going, but mm. Which, mm. what can you do? You would think PC is still a thing. You would, yeah. Well, PC they covered everything. They covered all tech, not just PCs. Ah. You know, again, they came out in '82, when you know PCs were. You know, C sixty fours and 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 Ataris and whatnot, and you know, not mm. necessarily, and I, you know, IBMs. So, I mean, Commodore did PCs in seventy eight. Yeah. No, not seventy eight. Ah, bullocks. No, no, that was in the end of the eighties. Sorry, I was yeah. ten years. I was ten yeah. years, ten years yeah, behind. Yeah, right, right. Anyway, anyway, in UK and Germany, not in in the US. They made PCs at the end of the 80s. I know it because I have two of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, the Col the, the Colt and something else. Yeah, the um, Commodore PC 20-3 and 20-2 yeah. and 20-1. Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks. Thanks for the links. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Alrighty. So let's jump to red, green, blue. Yes, yes, indeed. Hi, folks. Today we have another guest, and this time it's Robert Neal from RetroRGB. Hello. Hello, thank you for having me on. No prop, Bob. I always <laughs> wanted to say that. Finally, I have a guest where I can say it. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. I, I usually am enjoying a beer, but I just water today. I drank a little too much yesterday while watching football. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Yeah. Uh, well, um, so actually, it was not my idea to interview you, but the idea of Dennis Karimani, who you interviewed yourself. And uh, yes, remute. Yes. Unfortunately, he has no time today. It was a bit too short for him, but. No, never mind, never mind. We'll do it regardless. So, um, actually, I was surprised because I was looking for your contact information and I saw you have removed it everywhere with yeah. the reasoning you have no time to answer emails anymore. Yeah, so when I first started RetroRGB.com, I, I published my email address. I had like a, a form that you could fill out if you wanted to just do that. And it got to the point where I was waking up every morning to like 100 emails. Ooh. And some of them were things that like I started to feel guilty because it was people that, you know, they might have bought the wrong thing if I didn't talk to them. And, you know, the information was available. But there was also people that just wanted me to walk them through every setup, every step of buying things, what they needed to do. I mean, that's, you know, hundreds of hours from start to finish by the time they're done. I just I, I can't I can't do that. Uh, I can't right, do this right. at all. So, yeah, it's just. Time is the one thing I have the least of, so it's uh, I try to I just spend it as, as crucially as possible, I guess. Well, the thing is, I told him perhaps he would not even reply to my email, and he was like, he will. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I've never said no to a podcast except 
only one scenario. I've had a few people uh, say, hey, we're starting our, a podcast. We want you to be the first guest. <laughs> and I know what goes wrong, as you know what goes wrong when you're doing these podcasts. So I just, I always politely say, hey, I'd like to be a guest, but why don't you do a couple practice ones? And then, you know, get the kinks worked out in your setup. And then I'd love to be a guest. And not one of them has ever gotten back to me because they Ooh. probably... I mean, it's not easy to do this just to to get all your equipment working, right, to get the right, edit, editing done. Right, so, right. yeah, it's the only time I've ever said, no, I like doing this stuff. And obviously, I'm a huge fan of Dennis's. So, you know, if he emails, I answer. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> that's what he also said. It's really these the go-to site for learning about um, how to get the best picture of your retro console on all kinds of hardware. And you are kind of the picture quality guru when it comes to retro consoles, right? You are the the master. Kind uh, of. I mean, I've been doing this for a very long time, and it's just <laughs> if anybody had the same amount of experience I did, it, you know, it would be them. But it, I was the one that that stood up and did it. So yeah, I, I do. You know, I do try to get all that info out, and I'm in the middle of rewriting the entire site, which is so really? overwhelming and so time consuming. Really? Basically. All of the guides have been moved over to Console Mods Wiki, and the site is going to be mostly opinion-based. But when I say that, don't think I'm going to be talking about, you know, politics and crap. I mean <laughs> things like, hey, here are all of the models of the Sega Genesis and Mega Drive, but each model has different motherboard revisions, so here's everything you need to know. Here's what I think you should go for. Here's what I think you should do. And... All of the mods are over here on the wiki, which is open source, mm. and anybody could jump in and start adding. So when I say, you know, it's still all rooted in, in fact, but, you know, like I like sharing things like what I think are the best peripherals for this, these consoles, because I know a lot of the people that design the products and I know the work that goes into them. And I know that, uh, you know, sometimes I was even part of the test group or, or even the development awesome. group. So I understand which things were made because some company thought they could make extra money on it and which things were made because people really care and want to give you the best experience and the best product for your dollar. Interestingly, before the release of the Mega Drive Limited Edition to uh, 2017 from Tectoy, I spoke to the de support department at Tectoy and they had a live chat there and they told me that they actually plan to remove the RGB um, compatibility on the SCART signal for cost reasons. But it turned out when we did a live stream, it, it did, however, do the picture in color over my USB crapper regardless. So it seems like they decided otherwise. Um, hmm. So though it's, it's, it's weird. And we all know PAL M is uh, super, super, um, strange uh, because yeah. well it is um american american signaling and and um color comes from the PAL signal which was actually um invented by philips so uh, I, I had this thing that i once um, that i once um did did do a call to to acer a product info line and he was like why are you asking those questions? Do you want to uh, attach a device from Brazil to it? I was like, yes. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, 
it's it's so it's so weird some somehow. Um, yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing though that people will invest a lot of money on um, upscalers and so on, and and still sometimes to have a pretty bad um, result, you know. So mm. I personally prefer having a CRT. Well, that's always my first recommendation, but for money reasons. So, you know, a lot of people, because I talk about everything that's available, the cheapest solution, the most crazy expensive solution, because that's that's the point. Like, here's everything that you could do and choose what's best for you. And a lot of people accuse me of being a, an elitist that only thinks that you should use the best, and it's absolutely not good at all. If you get any CRT that still works, still works decent, no crazy burn in, you know, it doesn't smoke when you turn it on, but any CRT and you plug these old consoles into it, it's going to be an excellent experience. No lag, it's going to look good, good enough, it's going to be exactly the way the developers intended it, and you could still get CRTs for free or near free. It's not going to be the best ones, but whatever, it's totally fine. So if you find your old consoles in a closet or you go to a game store or an expo and you pick up one and it just mm -hmm. got composite cables and a controller, totally cool. I However, do understand, though, that most people want to game on flat panels because they don't have the space or the room or the patience to deal with all of this stuff. And that's where it does get a little complicated. If you buy the wrong scaler, it's it's lighting your money on fire so however 100 hertz um, crts can be an issue for example with light guns especially so. um any crt that's an hd crt so whether it's 100 hertz whether it supports 480p and up any of those are going to have their own issues however there are still lots of very cool things that you could do with them but there and it's still, if you were to take one of those CRTs and plug in your original consoles, the 15 kilohertz Genesis, Super Nintendo, NES, Master System, it might not look quite right because they're trying to de-interlace a signal that's not interlaced. And it's going to be about two frames of lag on some, not all, but that's still less of a performance hit than plugging your old consoles directly into a flat panel. So that's True. why I'm confident when I say any CRT. And also, there's some. I'm going to have a video out next year that shows you all of the very amazing things you could do with those HD CRTs. Awesome. And I think people will um, think people will really start to appreciate them a little bit more. You know your stuff. That's impressive. I would like to know. I mean, I saw you didn't do a lot of interviews. You said yourself um, you don't. Um, mostly you interview other people, but being being interviewed yourself is not something that you do regularly. I think the last one was a year ago. And um, and you mentioned there that you are doing this full-time retro RGB since four years by now? Yeah, four and, a half, huh? five, four and a half years now, yeah. How did it start? I mean, what was the starting point? I mean... I mean, you didn't you didn't hit your head on the toilet bowl one morning and were like, oh, I'm doing retro RGB. And uh, so, so the the origin was, I, I mean, I've always liked these video games. And, uh, and I grew up in the era of NES and then Genesis and Super Nintendo. And then as the console started to switch to those early 3D graphics, I started to lose a little bit of interest because... One of the biggest things that I love going from 8-bit to 16-bit is you have to use your imagination less. So 8-bit, 
graphics or even old PC graphics, you know, you have a little square that's a color and you have to pretend that that's a character. And then you run around and there's a bunch of other colored squares. You have to pretend that's a tree and pretend that's a rock. And then, you know, it got better when it hit NES and then you get to the 16-bit era and it's it's all your brain really needed to let you just sink back into the game. A tree, you know what a tree is, you know what you, what a character is. And then when it switched over to the early 3D graphics, it was confusing because in many ways it was a step back. You know, you, you walk across a wall and you're like, is that interference? Is that low resolution graphics? Is, am I supposed to be looking at this? What am I looking at? So that, you know, that was about the time of my youth that, you know, guitar drinking and chicks were way more important than anything else in my life. So, but I always kind of paid attention to the scene and, you know, obviously as graphics got better, I, I certainly appreciated the newer games, but I always just loved older stuff. And I always messed with emulation. I had um, software emulators on my DS and 3DS. And then when the Wii came out with the virtual console, I thought, well, wouldn't it be cool if I just got an original CRT to plug this into? But there was something still off and it was latency. I didn't realize it at the time. I'd never done a, a latency test or anything, but I didn't I didn't know it. So I tried using original controllers using an adapter, which was funny because that adapter added even more latency to it. So that's when I went out and got a bunch of different consoles and I plugged it in. I built a little rack with a, a CRT on it and had all the consoles lined up and it was great. But then I remembered being in a game store in the 90s. And one of the people had said, hey, have you ever seen this in RGB? And he, I looked at Sonic the Hedgehog on an RGB monitor and just went, wow, this is amazing. But that was the early 90s. Where there's no way that you could just go on the Internet and search for info and, and make these cables and do it yourself. You know, so I, I thought, well, I wonder, let me look into that. Let me see. Is it just the Genesis? Is it more consoles? And there was no good info out there. There was excellent info scattered across forums but then you run into the problem of what's correct info and what's just somebody that's really good at writing a post but actually has no clue what they're talking about which is most people so that's when mm -hmm. i started to compile it into a google doc and uh, it was my cousin scott at one point was like hey man this thing's getting to be like 30 pages why not just make it into a website i was like oh i've done that before that's a lot of work and he's like i already did the work just dump it in and and there you go. That's that's how I started the site. And then it was a fun hobby. I figured maybe a few people might be interested. Um, and then it just kind of I started getting messages from people. I didn't even know Google was crawling the site yet. I thought like it went live, but I just I didn't advertise it. And then it started just popping up in Google searches and it, it just kind of exploded from there. And it never really made money, but I had a little of extra help. And then I kind of got things in the, you know, a little bit in the swing of things. And I'm just, just barely able to do this for a living. But it's uh, so far so good. And I, I love it. I love working with all the amazing developers that I get to know. I love doing these interviews where I get to talk to awesome people all around the planet. Uh, it's just, it's the best of, of all the things I've done in my career, all in one that I get to do every day. So it was pretty mm. cool. <laughs> It's kind of interesting because you, you you started you started your your reasoning going into this interview that the reason why you said yes is because we didn't invite you as one of the first guests. So yeah, I mean, that means <laughs> that means that means you were aware of who we are when that email arrived to you. Uh, I don't mean any disrespect, but no, I saw your email. <laughs> 
you dropped Dennis's name and I went, okay, cool. <laughs> that's that's usually how it works, interestingly. Yeah. Like, wow, Dennis Karimani works with you. That's amazing. So it must be a wonderful project. Yeah. 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 And you know, I just I don't get asked that often to be on podcasts. I like it. I think it's fun. But I think one of the reasons is because I put out two podcasts a week. I, I think a lot of people don't feel the need to talk to me because the info is just there every week. You know, it's not like I'm some recluse that no one ever hears from. You know, I, I'm wow. I'm as visible as you could possibly be on the internet. So wow, two interviews a week. I'm I'm glad if if I can manage. Not two interviews, uh, two podcasts. So I do my weekly roundup and then I do the weekly Q and A, ah, and I try to do at least a third every week, whether it's an interview, a live stream, a higher production video. Some days I do seven, or some weeks I do seven videos. Some weeks I just do two, but it's mostly three a week. So that's the difference between you and me. I do it as a hobby. You do it as full time job. So yeah. Ah, interesting, interesting. So hmm. I mean, um, the thing is, so so you looked it up when when I emailed you. You were like, yes. let's see what they do. And then um, a lot of people are surprised that we are around since 22 years now. That is something that um, that people find amazing because many retro projects, especially homepages, suddenly start to disappear. Yeah, so where where did you release your stuff when you first started 20, 22 years ago it was or twenty one years ago whenever you did? Where did you release it? Was it just direct disc, on your disc, website? Disc swapping, disc swapping okay. at the beginning in the yeah, and and I made my 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 homepage myself. I learned in my IT education. I learned HTML in the year two thousand, so I hacked it together myself, and then. We, we got the webmaster and he he, he did an, a CMS and then um, then we got enough as a collection to approach archive.org like hey can you make a dedicated podcast and a dedicated historical interview section for scene world and that is actually how it happened and then we got our entry in Wikipedia which which right. upped the game a lot um, because suddenly we are important enough to be mentioned in Wikipedia, which is a struggle because mostly the Wikipedians, um, they want to delete your entry. That's the first impulse, like, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's good that you got up there. I, I, there's all that, you know, interpolitics in Wikipedia. So. <laughs> and, and even with the video game stuff, there's been a lot of things, a lot of really good, helpful information that could delete it off because the mods said that no one cares. And it's exactly. like, exactly. that's ridiculous. But hey, you know what? Now you have consulmods.org that you could go to and you'll never, if for good info, you'll never be told no and you'll be taken seriously and you won't waste your time just to have something deleted. Mm. So obviously but, but, garbage in, garbage out, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, the, the reason why I asked this is what is your plan to preserve your info for the time being? So the wiki is looking to be both retrorgb.com and the wiki are long-term projects. So let's just say I get hit by a meteor tomorrow and I'm gone. There are things in place to make sure that the website gets transferred over to other people and that really? things going. Okay. Yeah. And you know, while 
while a lot of the stuff, and I don't mean I don't mean any disrespect by saying this, but while a lot of the the daily posts are just bullshit, like hey, pre-orders open this Friday for something. Today, that's really important information, but on Monday, that's useless information because the pre-order is already up and over. So a lot of posts are like that. However, it does archive the dates, the times of all of this stuff, the people involved. And so even the most useless posts a week later still kind of have some bearing to them. But a lot of the posts contain really, really good info. And I, I do hope that we get some more people volunteering to take some of just the tech, you know, just the facts, none of the opinions out of the weekly and put it onto console mods because that wiki is, you know, just fact based. But there is a lot of really good info in there that on the just the regular posts. The pages, however, are the things that I, especially after this latest rewrite, which is probably gonna take six more months, but it's really posturing to be something where somebody who has no knowledge of this can just have a little bit of patience and go through. And I think it's super important to do that written because every time I make a mistake or every time something changes, I just hit the edit button, spend five minutes and you're done. Whereas if I started doing this as videos, Every time a little change happens, what do I do? You know, so mm -hmm. I'm trying to get the written layout and things will always evolve. There are always going to be new options. But luckily, all of the stuff that we're talking about is out of production. So regardless of what scalar comes out, you know, regardless of if you eventually could plug yourself into the matrix and play your Genesis that way, you're still going to have to worry about model ones having jail bars and model threes having mono audio. And that's never going to change. So that's, uh, you know, I want to make sure that that does stick around. And, you know, the, the only things I told people are I don't want all of my work to just get deleted by accident one day. And I don't want the name retro RGB to turn into something else. Cause I've had a bunch of offers to buy the site over the years. From really? companies that I knew what they were going to do. Cause it's very high ranking in Google. They were going to just cover every page with like dick pill ads, like Viagra, Cialis, whatever, and get all the Ooh. revenue from that. And then when Google flags it as an ad site then just delete it and move on. Like, I don't want to tarnish the name retro RGB cause of, you know, cause of a cash grab. So I I've said no to all those. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, that's actually um, a serious issue. The the bigger your um, project grows, the weirder the offer offers are getting. Like yeah. um, um, like um, um, how to say um, uh, casino sites, casino offers, mm -hmm. or um, or NFT or crypto mining and all the shady stuff and i'm like no 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 yeah i i flag all of those as spam i delete every single one and the ones that crack me up the most are the ones that start out hey i think you missed my last email uh, you really think i'm that stupid <laughs> like you're gonna trick me into no I, I, I wonder if they ever get responses the only scenario the only scenario that I could see is one that it's happened to everybody, I'm sure, where you're doing something yesterday. And I, I got my retro tank remotes. Let me just use this as an example. It happened to be right in front of me. You know, yesterday you and I are talking about retro tank remotes. And today somebody with your screen name messages me and was like, hey, following up on our conversation yesterday, you know, how's the project working? Good. I got the, you know, uh, I got the remote working again. Oh, okay. You know, 
what did you do? And I don't realize that your account got hacked because you're continuing the conversation. Mm. Mm. And then that's happened to me once and once wow. only. And then they said, okay, so transfer me some crypto. And that's when I was like, oh, fuck you. I know yeah. what this is. This is, this is that's, actually, yeah. that's actually a serious problem. It's especially uh, very common on Discord where the people's accounts don't get hacked. The problem is that their account is cloned. So it's their same uh, same avatar, it's their same screen name, it's their same hashtag number and everything. Okay. The only way that you could tell is if you click on it, if the profile was created, like if it says profile created on November 1st and it's somebody I've been talking to for a couple of years, then it's definitely a scam. So that's that was the secret. That's another issue, but but actually I'm talking about proof force attacks. Um, uh, but but yeah. but 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 here you have the here here you have the solution nowadays that you can enable two-factor authentication, so you are safe there. It's yeah. it's still surprising me that it didn't break through as as a as a working solution to many people. So some people still uh, still say change your password every week, and that's good enough. No, it's not. Hmm. It's 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 it can still be hacked with a dictionary and stuff. So a single person that changes their password every week. I know a lot of my fellow nerds. I did IT for many years. I don't know a single human being that changes their <laughs> password every week. I know companies that do it, and everybody. I, I would say every time I've seen something like a company makes you change your password weekly, monthly. If it's Bob one two three. Next week it's Bob one two four. Then Bob one two five. It's just it's so useless. It's so true. useless. True, <laughs> true, true. Speaking of um, speaking of which, useless. What's your opinion about the European Paul's standard being the worse one compared to NTSC? Because so, I hear that a lot. That in in European Germany. I'm doomed because I have the worst standard. Well, so uh, to quote my friend Artemio, what is best? What is worst? It's all relative to you. <laughs> and here's the thing. People don't like uh, PAL signals for older game consoles because they run at 50 hertz. And if a game is compensated for, it'll run and sound exactly the same. But if you take something like Sonic the Hedgehog, you play that on an NTSC console and you play the PAL version, it's it's like somebody turned the dial down. The music is slower, the gameplay is slower, it's weird. Um, however, PAL colors are definitely better and the potential for different and better resolutions are up there. Um, you know, that's the joke is NTSC is never the same color. Yeah, I know this so, one, yeah. Yeah, it, so I don't, I don't think you could say there's a best or a worst. I think it's really, it really just depends. I mean, if you're playing a N64 game that's running at 30 or 20 frames per second anyway, is it really going to matter if it's a 50 hertz or a 60 hertz console? And, you know, on the flip side, if you have something that the maybe it was a PAL developer and it's a beautiful game with all of these wonderful colors in it, and now you see is the NTSC version translating over that well? And most of the time it is, but it's, it's it's really relative, but I don't have a problem with any of it. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't have any access to PAL stuff. I have one PAL Sega Genesis motherboard, and that's it. 
and I only got that just to try to to hunt down a weird problem with the triple bypass when we were uh, getting that when we were getting the instructions made up and the original thing done. So that's the only reason why you don't see a lot more PAL stuff featured on retro RGB is because I don't have the ability to. Oh, you could modify them. I have modified mine. I can switch between Japanese, US, NTSC, Paul, whatever. I have a Saturn that has modified uh, BIOS in it and stuff. Yeah, but for the in-depth testing that I do, it's it's way deeper. Not good enough. It's the power signals. It's the exact power going through it mixed okay. with. I mean, there's there is a lot of factors involved in that. <laughs> if there's an external power brick, it's way easier because you just get mm. the same DC voltage in that you would normally. That's that that should be a global thing that wouldn't it, that people shouldn't have to worry about. But it's still it's not exactly the same because don't forget I. Most of the public facing stuff that people see is stuff like this. I'm talking to a camera. I'm explaining something. Until recently, when I started doing these very long and boring live streams showing how I do these testing, I don't think a lot of people realize what, what goes on behind the scenes. And I get really deep into a lot of these tests. And if I have any gut feeling about, am I testing enough? Did I, you know, do I have enough test parameters? I'll just keep going and keep doing it to make sure. So when you start talking about things like, you know, when you start talking about NTSC J versus NTSC, I kind of go with my gut and most of the time it's about the same, but NTSC and PAL, I just don't, I don't have the confidence to say I could do a really good in-depth PAL test on it. Maybe, maybe I'll do fine. Maybe I'll miss something. So that's, you know, I, I try to make sure to be always be honest about my level of knowledge. And I don't, I'm not one of those know-it-alls that always thinks I'm right. I just, you know, I, I try to be very careful about that. Mm. I hate those YouTubers who act like that. And there are tons of mistakes um, because they didn't do their research right. And, uh, it's it's always such a cringe moment. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's, and, and you know, there's... Uh, there's the little ones. Every video I have, there's at least one mistake. But, I mean, and there's two reasons. First, if I wanted to make sure that every video was perfect, I would do one a month, not two to three a week. <laughs> I just, you have to just call it at some point and say good enough, you know. And if it's if it's things like we're talking about voltage in a console, and I, you know, I say, you know, it's uh, you know, plug it into the wall. It, Obviously, you need a power brick. I'm not going to go back and say, make sure to plug your power brick into the, like little things. Like it, there are certain things that are easy. And it's also sometimes people get really obsessed with this stuff. And if they don't have something to complain about, they'll start really nitpicking. So if I flub a word, like if I say pi is 3.41 instead of 3.14 and, you know, I get piled on in the comments. Good. You're obsessing over something that does not matter at all. Great. Leave me alone with the rest of the stuff. You're not bring people down the wrong path or anything so yeah <laughs> um that that's that's interesting yeah so perhaps you should you should you should spend a holiday in europe at some point and then get access to all the european consoles and make your test on on the ground there i would love to i wish i had the time and the budget for something like that that oh. would be pretty amazing get a sponsor isn't yeah. that was what all the YouTubers are doing? Getting big spo um, sponsors? I am the worst at management. I am the worst at self-promotion. 
I like if there's a good, you know, managers are supposed to make 10%. I'd give managers 20, 25% easy to do this for me. I am terrible at this. And I also, I start to lose patience really quickly. The moment somebody starts lying to me or starting to scam me or pull the sales tricks, I just, I turn into an asshole. Like a, a bigger company, Ooh. a couple of, uh, a couple months ago, offered to send me something to test. And I said, sure, but there's no expectations. I'll get to it when I can. If you need me to get to it by a certain date, send it to somebody else. I'm going to be honest about the review and, you know, okay, yeah, no problem. Absolutely. Just take it. And I, I got the product and I said, okay, well, let me get what testing have you done? And that way I could have a baseline to, to work on and I'll verify all that. Well, how do you test? What the fuck do you mean? How do you test? How did you release a product that's already out to the public and you didn't test it? Well, could you teach us how to test it? Yeah, uh, I've been doing development work since 2005. Here's my month, my hourly rate. And if you don't like it, then try to scam somebody else into doing your testing for free. Um, I see. I see. Where yeah. And obviously, I, I'm skipping through that story to not bore everybody to death. I didn't just jump to that conclusion. There was a lot more talk in there where that was very obvious. But it's happened quite a bit where companies basically are like, oh, we'll send you one, maybe even two for free if you do the work. Like. It's 40 hours worth of work. It's a full salaried work week for what? A hundred dollar item. Are you crazy? So yeah, I don't, I have zero patience for people that try to scam me. Another question I had in mind, what's your opinion about the next generation that, um, that is now coming to YouTube or well, since 10 years, for example, um, the uh, gaming history foundation, we made an interview earlier in the year with Kelsey Lewin. At this time, she was 27. So what do you think about people who are so young and that they are doing research in the past? Um, is, so is there I got to say, at, at first, I, at first 10 years ago when I started the site, when I was getting emails from people who said they were 17, 18 years old or, or, or younger than that, I was very surprised at first, but then because for me personally and for my cousin Scott and some of my friends, this was taking the best parts of those experiences as a kid and reliving them and see if they hold up. And, and many very much do and some don't. And that's cool, right? It's just, you know, it's, it's kind of like everything else, but I never really considered, which is very ignorant of me, but I never really considered other people discovering it. And then it was probably the first year of the site that it really clicked, but it makes complete sense to me because my my favorite car when I was a kid was made before I was born. So my favorite music was made before I was born, but some of my favorite music also came out last year. And when when you first hear a song definitely has bearing on how, it, you know, and where you're at when you hear it, that could have meaning to you. But when that song was written has does not mean shit. That song could have been from 1969 or the song could have been from yesterday. If you like the song, it's a good song. If you like a movie, it's a good movie. And it is zero difference with video games. The only thing that you might say is certain types of games arguably are better because of the lack of input latency on them compared to many modern solutions. That's starting to change. Finally, the bigger companies are starting to realize that input latency matters. I'd like to think I have a small part in that. Some of my friends, you know, Arturo, got a shout out to Art. You know, they had to, certainly has a big part in that. But for a while there, I mean, that's why we have a lot of Smash players going back 
Smash players that are young going back to consoles that weren't even they weren't even born yet, but they're playing that version because there's less input latency. So the new generation makes complete and total sense. There are people equally as passionate as I am that were born in the 2000s that that are still really smart, that do a great job, and they fit in. It's actually it's it's exactly like the music business. Anybody who's ever been in a band and played in local clubs, you could you'll see bands with like a 45 year old and a 22 year old. And when you're on stage playing, none of that matters. You're all in sync. You you know you're all doing your thing, and it's the same thing with with all of this stuff. So. Uh, it just makes sense to me. It makes perfect sense that there would be a whole new generation of people. And, you know, it's just, it's like everything else, like music, like classic cars. How many young people do you see at classic car shows that are, they have a car that was built 30 years before they were born type of thing. So yeah, it makes perfect sense. Awesome, awesome group of people coming up in it. Um, and it's also interesting to see because there's also the whole social media aspect where the younger generation is a little bit more used to communicating on there. So while you still get the immaturity, you sometimes get it less from the younger people than you do the the older people that are still aren't really communicating that well over text. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting. So so um, seeing it that way, people like Kelsey Lewin or even younger people in their early twenties um, are the future of of the hobby in a way, right? Yeah, and that's, you know, I don't think it'll ever go away. I, I think these, you know, water scams where you're, you know, you're, you're sealed straight <laughs> A box. I think that's going to go away very quickly. I don't think that's going to be around very much longer. But the desire to play those games <laughs> and the desire to not play a bad version of that game is, is always going to be there. It, and cars are just the easiest example, right? Mm -hmm. If you've got in a car and you put the wrong mod in it and your brakes don't work or you're plunking down the street, like... Why, why would you ever want to drive that car? It's the same thing. If you get a pound cable with, you know, five frames of lag and, you know, all of the terrible deinterlacing on something that was never interlaced in the first place, you're not going to like the game. It's not going to be the same experience. Or you might tell yourself that it's good enough, but if you just mm -hmm. tried a different way, suddenly the world would open up all of these, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And look how much better this is. So, you know, there, I, I do think that it's, I don't think this is going away anytime soon. I think the way we experience them might. I think FPGA is going to be a giant game changer. Um, and, and as these things progress and get cheaper, it's going to be a, a much bigger deal. But I think the games themselves are never going away. Mm. You know, eventually the original consoles are going to stop working, probably sooner for the CD-based consoles than for anything else. I think the PS3s are going to be all dead before the Genesis and Super Nintendos are, but... Um, that I, I, because there's so many passionate people about that, there's always going to be a different way to play them. Um, and sometimes you could argue that it's better than the original, which is never really been said before. A silly, a silly, but perfect example is in the Genesis Mr. Core, there's the adaptive blending. So if you walk up to the waterfall in Sonic the Hedgehog, the waterfall is blended just like with composite video. It looks like water, not rectangles. But Sonic is still sharp. All of the OSD is still, or the the HUD is still sharp. The colors are still beautiful, like with an RGB output. So technically, that make the input latency is the exact same as long as all your settings are, you know, are fine. So it's technically better than the original, and I think that's where we're headed. So it's gonna because be it's combining different aspects of different possibilities. 
Uh, yeah, it, it's 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 because people are taking it seriously and treating it and treating it like anything else that's important. And now because of that, because you know, a lot of those clone consoles from Hypercan and all that over the years with the composite video output, they weren't laggy because it's just composite out, but they also weren't very accurate. Nobody mm. made those ASICs loved it the way we do. They kind of just saw it as a solution to a problem, which is also fine. But I think now you have people that love it. And we have tools like FPGAs that are able to recreate this. And we have people smart enough to, to reverse engineer it. So it's not just the love. The tools are also there and the components are available to make it. Well, I mean, try getting an FPGA still now, but it's coming back. Part shortage is ending. <laughs> Another example that just came to mind is um, Duke Nukem 3D by Tectoy is mm -hmm. actually designed to only be played when the Mega Drive is connected via antenna signal. Because really? it's, yeah, because it's even more blurry than composite. So they use this for a better texture um, impression. That's interesting. Um, you know, that's funny, though, because if you're out in the suburbs and you have a TV with a good comb filter, RF and composite look pretty identical. So I think they probably, they may have used RF in their development just, just to try to see it, but unless you're in a city and that's the other thing too if you're in a city like when i was living in manhattan i, I posted that video up i used that video in a couple like the clip in a few different videos of the same tv the same console the same rf adapter in an apartment in manhattan versus out in the suburbs in the suburbs it was identical to composite and in the apartment it was so fuzzy you almost couldn't even see the screen so <laughs> interference from other places yeah exactly ah, interesting interesting Amazing. So, um, so you, you said you are redesigning the site, and um, so you are trying to make it more like a Wikipedia user more user more user friendly. So right huh. now the guides are very wiki style, where it's mm. you know how to mod you know how to put a RGB mod, how to do a C sync mod, all that stuff, and all of that's been moved to the wiki. I want to remove that from the site, get all the forwarding set up so it's not just gone. But uh, I want it to be, I want it to be structured in a way where almost anybody with a little bit of patience could just walk into it. And maybe you stumble across the wrong page first. So maybe you stumble into, you know, uh, what RGB cable for your Super Nintendo up at the top, you know, or top and bottom. I just always have a little reminder. Hey, if you came here from a search, you might want to start at page one. But if somebody starts at and even at the Super Nintendo page, I wanted to say at some point, if you're not sure what any of these terms are, go to the, the Getting Started Basics page. And that way, no matter what page you end up on, you could always know where to start and get the information you're looking for. And same thing, getting to the wiki. You know, if you're an expert that just needs to know the pinout of a Sony CXA chip and retro RGB comes up first, that pinout is going to direct you to the wiki that has, or, you know, the, the link to that. So it's going to still be very um a tool that experts can use the only difference or the main difference is going to be you don't have to be an expert to find the info that you're looking for it'll be a lot smoother but that's some of the hardest stuff to do you know doing uh, an install guide might take a day but rewriting the entire genesis section to have that kind of flow might take 
it might take a minimum of a full week's worth of work because you're going to write it, rewrite it. Oh, wait, but if I put this here, how can I get, you know, how can I link to that? It's almost like a choose your own adventure book, how to write it, you know, writing one of those. I don't know if you remember that when you we were kids, but, you know, it's, it's kind of it's kind of the, the approach you're going to take. So it's very overwhelming. To be honest, I when I was writing the site, it was one at a time. I was never I never had to think of such a, a bigger picture, which is why some of the pages don't really make sense. You know, why is this one here? Why is that one called this one? But now that it's the opportunity to go back and fix it, it's very overwhelming. So it's, I wish I had time. I wish I could like pause life and go lock myself into a cave with just a laptop and like, you know, and, and just go spend a couple of weeks rewriting it and then press a button and appear right back here and then continue life on. I mean, I mean, isn't that always the 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 sites of uh, good working uh, retro projects that suddenly the project became so much bigger than originally it i i still want to do it i still have the desire to want to do this and people are still asking me to do it so that means people still want this to be done so it, it is an incredible problem to have so Awesome. You know, no, no job is going to be easy. No job worth doing is going to be easy. There's always going to be huge, hard hurdles at some point. And it's very cool that this is, you know, one of my biggest problems is how to make the site more accessible and better. And, you know, it's a very good problem to have. How is it if I look at retro RGB, it looks like you have a team around you. But during the interview, it makes it more look like you are working on your own. The pages, um, pages and posts. So pages are ones that are always linked on the left through all the different submenus and stuff. The pages were all me with uh, Cousin Scott proofread like the first hundred pages. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been able to get the site done. And a few other people kind of helped out with those. Um, I have done most of the posts as well, but there's a bunch of people volunteering that also jump in. And that has been a massive help. And I, I want to... I want people to feel like that's worth their time too. So I'm very pushy to the the writers about if you have, you know, uh, if you have your own affiliate links, use those in your posts. If you, you know, don't feel bad self-promoting a video if you think it's a fit. So like I just did a room tour and that's not on retrorgb.com. It's on my the YouTube channel, but it's that's not a fit for retrorgb at all. So I'm not even posting my own on there. Whereas, you know, and I wouldn't expect any of the other writers to. However, you know, somebody just did a review. Uh, um, Lewis from Zez Retro just lag tested the original GameCube WaveBird controllers. Yeah, write that up. Promote that. That's awesome. That's exactly the type of nerding that we like to see. Like, for beautiful. Promote yourself. So, you know, I the the posts have some very amazing contributors. And I try so hard to try to give back and and promote them in turn as the mm. thank you. I don't know if I'm able to hold up my end, but I'm trying real hard. <laughs> so so, so the YouTube and the uh, page is more, more or like separated as you just pictured. So it's not, it's not always that videos are written down in, in a script and going on the homepage and vice versa. Yeah, so the weeklies are all shot without scripts, all off the cuff. Um, the only, uh, there's no, no page for the Q and A's. The weekly roundup page is really just there to make it easier to reference, but I, I don't even think I would really need, like if I deleted the weekly roundup post, 
no one would probably notice. This <laughs> is one of those like, but um, everything else, like all of the higher production videos, the goal is like the, the videos that take weeks to do and everything. The goal is always to do what I did with the latest Mr. Video, where you could read it as a written post and you don't need to see the video at all. Or you could just watch the video and only reference the stuff you need to copy and paste. Or you could have both. So you kind of watch the video, you get your brain knows what to expect. You see the examples. So now you know, why am I doing this at all? And then you get to the written post and it's like, okay, here's everything I need. Let me run through it. That's the goal. The problem is that's amazingly time consuming. So while I, even, even after already writing a script and shooting a video, turning that script into a written guide like that takes hours. So I try really, really hard to do all of that. But uh, it's, you know, once again, it's all down to time. Wow, it sounds like you would need a second person to help you. I mean, don't don't end up into being um, how to say burn burnt out. Oh yeah, that happens every year. I'll just hit a wall, and it it feels like you're just sick for a couple of weeks. Not sick like, you know, I got the bad COVID and I can't get out of bed, <laughs> but sick like I it's like powerless you're not functioning right. You know, you know, you're out mm. of energy. You're, grumpy you know headache it's you know it, it definitely hits and it, it, there was a couple of times where i was really grinding through uh where you know it happened a couple times in the same year and now it's about once a year i'll hit a burnout out and just have to slow down for a week or two wow yeah i i will definitely see that that i can find some people fitting to help you that would be really good because if you already know you will have a burnout once per year that actually shouldn't happen because then actually it's already too late. Well, you know, when I say all these things, right? I mean, it's no different than a farmer. Actually, farmer <laughs> works way harder. I, I, you know, I might put more hours in, but not not the level of effort, right? You know, that farmer gets up one day and he, you know, they've been up seven days in a row getting getting their, everything ready, and it's like, well, I'm exhausted, I'm burned out, but if no, if I don't do this, nobody's going to. So I got to mm. just do it. And it's, I think, you know, especially anybody that runs their own business is always put in that position. So, yeah, you know, I can see sometimes where I have to get things done at a certain time. I know it's going to burn me out, but you know, I don't really have a choice. And I, okay. I wouldn't I would rather be doing this for me and for you in this situation than than doing it for a job that I can't stand, which I've actually been really lucky and had some awesome jobs in my life. But wow. um, but, you know, I've also had one or two bad ones and I just. I always try to remind myself, like, hey, this sucks right now, today, but how much better is it that you're doing it this instead of doing it for that company you didn't like a couple of years ago or something like True. that? So, True. Well, on the other hand, I hope uh, this interview today doesn't distract you too much from the work you should originally be doing instead of sitting here with me. No, 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 no. This is great. This is, you know, I, I always love these <laughs> conversations and it's, it's kind of, it's fun to hang out and have a conversation but it's also kind of um i don't know therapeutic to just kind of like hey you know here's all the good and the bad so let's just talk about okay. it and, you know okay i certainly don't have any secrets like that so mm. you're really trusting despite you don't know me you only know me since an hour and three minutes so yeah but i mean what's the worst you could do tell people i'm broke <laughs> they know <laughs> they don't know i'll tell yeah them. yeah right hmm now the thing is, um, 
what interests me, how do you select your, your guests? I mean, for example, you had uh, Dimitris um, Giannakis, who we will also interview in December, uh, the, um, the modern, modern vintage gamer. Yeah. yeah. How um, do you go 100% selfish. I stumble across somebody that I think is seems interesting and I reach out and if they say yes, we do the interview and you know, that, that's really it. It's just my own selfish curiosity. This person looks awesome. I'd love to have a conversation with them. And some people are, are just amazing and welcoming. And some people are just, some people don't understand why I want to talk to them. And I have to very politely be like, well, you know, in, in, the, in a nice way, yeah. like, who gives a fuck? People want to hear from you. So just do yeah. it. Go yeah. it. But it's a uh, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting to see. But it's you know, I've totally. had mostly excellent experiences with that totally can relate to that because many many people who don't do a lot of interviews they are like why is anybody interested into the crap that i did 20 30 years ago yeah aren't we past that already why would i want to talk about that <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i've had some people say yes that i just didn't i, I was grateful but like thomas hap who created the axiom verge games it's like that guy could do an interview with people with millions of followers if he wanted to. Like the fact that he took the time to have a conversation with me and a, you know, a good real conversation. I, I was very, very grateful and it was an awesome interview. I, I loved talking to him and hearing his insight and yeah, you know, I'm just excited for the third, you know, that he sort of teased coming. So this is cool, you know. But at the same time, like I've I've done interviews with a few people. It was just two people shooting the shit. Maybe we knew each other, maybe we didn't, and I loved those just as much. It's just, you know, it's connecting with so many cool people around the planet. Yeah, the only disappointing thing is when I don't have enough time to get to everybody that I'd like to. Like on the weeks that I don't do interviews, it's because I did a bunch of live streams or a high production mm -hmm. and a video or something like that. And we had that um, Retro World Expo where a bunch of us met up and I did that combination podcast where I did a couple of minutes with a bunch of people and there was like six people that I really, really wanted to get to. And it's just, we ran out of time. The batteries all died in the camera and the microphones and a couple of people you know, caught a cold and had to go. And it was just that, that's the most disappointing where it's like, oh, that would have been awesome. I, you know, I wish I could have shown people how cool you are. Damn it, next time or, you know, but most of, most of the time it's just fun and people that I want to talk to that I think people might want to listen to. How persistent do you have to be to convince guests to talk to you? Some, sometimes, sometimes it's very rare, but sometimes it takes a lot of prodding. And sometimes it's just people that are, um, they're, they're just hard to, to nail down because they have a very busy schedule. Like uh, Maddie, Miss Mad Lemon, we were talking about doing an interview for like two years before it actually happened. But oh. it, it, but I also, not on camera, wanted to talk to her about reel-to-reel -reel stuff. And uh, oh. I was using her album to do a digital to analog conversion test. And just getting her getting five minutes of her time like we had to schedule that out so Ooh. it wasn't that she was blowing me off it was just that she has a very busy life so and it's, it's sometimes you get people like that that are very busy other times there are people that just i don't think they want to do it because i don't think they think people care so you got to poke and prod a little bit just to remind them like <laughs> hey it doesn't matter if you don't think people care people will care so just just chill and, and but most of the time, it's very easy. It's, hey, thank it's... you for your work. You know, do you want to do a podcast? Yes, when? Okay, see you then. Awesome. Good day. Take care. See you then. Bye-bye.